Welcome to the Treat the Cause podcast with Dr. Greg Emerson, physician, professional athlete, dive instructor, yoga instructor, wilderness survival instructor, and biohacker. Combining lessons from history with medicine from the West, East, science, tradition, and spirituality to optimize health, performance, and longevity. Good morning from northern New South Wales in Australia. Good evening from Amarillo, Texas. It's Dr. Greg Emerson from the Treat the Cause podcast and Treat the Cause YouTube channel. Yes, the clinic was shut down, but we are adapting and surviving and continuing on in a virtual format, online, sharing information. And today, fortunately, I've got the one and only Dr. Roby Mitchell, a.k.a. Dr. Fit, who lives in Amarillo, Texas. And we're going to have a chat today about some tips in intelligent design of the body or innate immunity discussing how Homo sapiens have over 4.5 billion years developed strategies to protect themselves against the trillions of viruses and other microbes that surround us. We did an earlier video where we discussed elements of this, but what we're going to do today is we are going to break down a video which was recently released by a nuclear medicine company and animated about how viruses cause disease. And we're going to break down that video one step at a time to show how it translates to the systems that Roby and I talk about. And at the end, I want to talk about as well about some recent studies which have come out about the cytokine storm involving not only the lungs, but the brain as well, and the effect of melatonin on that cytokine storm. So Roby, let me, so first of all, Good evening. How's things in the wonderful Lone Star State of Texas? Uh, things are great here in Texas. And of course, you know, because of our southern exposure, things are starting to wind down here. And particularly, you know, here in Amarillo, where the air is fairly dry and we get lots of sun. So since those viruses, you know, travel in humidity, right, we don't have a lot of exposure here. And then with the sun, you know, we get a little more vitamin D. So, so we have fared pretty well here in Amarillo. So thanks again for your time today, because I know you're an incredibly busy man. I jotted down some of the points from that animated video, which I will link to this YouTube video and the podcast. So let us take through those one at a time, and I'll invite you to comment on each of the points from your perspective. So the first point was that the coronavirus had is called corona because it's got crown-like spikes on the outer membrane, which is important when you and I will come along and talk about how the recept those, those attached to the receptors as a cell. Then they said that the virus is a genetic material surrounded by a hard protective protein shell, which is then surrounded by an outer envelope that merges with the cell wall, i.e. what they're saying is that to protect that little bit of delicate DNA or RNA from the environment when it's released from the human body and coughs or sneezes or surfaces, it's got a hard protein shell. And then surrounding that hard protein shell is this cell membrane, which, it, which has got spikes on it, which it then used to spike onto L cells, onto receptors, and inject its DNA into the cytoplasm of L cells. So from that perspective, Roby, what have we got in terms of intelligent design to interrupt that one, I've got this virus, which has got this cell membrane and proteins on its wall, and it's got spikes, which then attach to, attach to receptors on our cells. What have we got in our toolkit for that? So you can kind of 
imagine that visually if you saw that movie with Tom Hanks where he was on the commercial freighter and then these pirates uh, attacked them, you know, and boarded the ship. So the way, one of the ways they did that, they took these hook ladders and threw it up on the ship, right? And then they climbed aboard that way. So a similar thing happens with these viruses, right? Is that they, you know, they got to cross the waters and then they have to attach and then they have to invade that commercial freighter, right? So if that freighter had been surrounded with some, uh, an escort of say Navy SEALs or Marines, they would have shot those guys down, you know, before they ever, you know, uh, approached, right? So we have that in the form of what are called cathelicidins, right? So cathelicidins are these antimicrobial proteins that humans normally produce, and they are produced in response to therapeutic levels of vitamin D. So vitamin D, which is actually a hormone, is produced when we get skin exposure from UV light from the sun or we're taking a vitamin D supplement, right? So it's really critical that we have our vitamin D levels to a certain level. I recommend on your lab that 25 hydroxy D be 70 to 100. You can, you can have a little lower levels but we know there's such a huge window of safety with vitamin D. I mean, it's no problem you know, if you get your levels up to 100 and 125 even. So you're not going to get toxic with vitamin D unless you get in the bathtub and fill it up with vitamin D and drink the whole tub of it. So, so you're safe there. The other thing that we have is what are called glycoaminoglycans. So glycoaminoglycans are contained in, the, in your snot, right? That really slippery substance. So if you imagine, you know, those pirates trying to hook onto the boat and there is oil right on the deck, you know, that just makes it slip off. That's what glycoaminoglycans are. So those are produced in response to you having adequate thyroid hormone, right? Now then, the other thing that we have, you know, is just a barrier protection. So, you know, Donald Trump here wants to put up the Great Wall of on our southern borders, right, to keep foreigners in the South, you know, from getting in. Uh, China had the Great Wall. You know, we tell people for protection against sexually transmitted diseases that they should wear condoms. That's barrier protection. So the other form of STDs is sneeze transmitted diseases, right? That's what coronavirus is. It's an STD, sneeze transmitted disease. So you want to have barrier protection. You get that in the form of what's called cytokeratins. So keratin is this hard protein that your fingernails and hair and skin and the horns of animals is made out of, right? Keratin. Cytokeratin is that protein, but it encircles, it creates a barrier wall around cells that protects them from viral entry. So you want to have every cell surrounded by cytokeratin. You make that happen by adequate levels of vitamin A or, or more specifically what are called retinols, right? So retinols are these different forms of vitamin A. Now the important thing to remember about vitamin A is that these retinols, there are different forms that protect different tissue sites, right? So you have like zeaxanthin and lutein, they protect the macula, right? They attach to your macular tissue so that they prevent oxidation and inflammation, right, in your uh, retina to prevent macular degeneration. Lycopene likes to attach to breast and, and the prostate. There's beta carotene. There are, again, all these other different ones. So it's important your foundation of getting vitamin A should be eating foods that are high in carotenoids, right? Not just taking a vitamin A supplement, right? And so your dark red, your dark yellow, dark orange, 
dark green, dark purple. You want to get some of all of those in in order for head to toe protection, right? To get those cytokeratins, right? Not, not just vitamin A. And if you do supplement with vitamin A, look at the fine print. Don't get beta carotene. Get a fully already produced vitamin A, you know, or do cod liver oil, right? That, that's another source of preformed vitamin A, right? So that, that's really important. And then the other thing is your, your so other thing that was in that movie, right? Uh, at the end was a Navy SEAL team and they took one shot, right? And took those, those pirates out. Well, you've got T cells and macrophages, right? Those are your Marine SEAL team boots on the ground that specifically will kill the bad guys, right? So T cells and macrophages, very important to have those on board. And those will be weakened if you have high levels of candida because candida produces what are called gliotoxins. And those gliotoxins will specifically knock out your T cells and, and macrophages. Now, if you don't have T cells and macrophages, then your primary defense becomes your air force, which are the cytokines. Now, cytokines are like bombs being dropped from the sky. The downside of dropping bombs from the sky is that they are indiscriminate. So you can aim them at the bad guys, but you, know, you can have collateral damage. You can damage good guys also. So that's the danger of excessive production of cytokines, which are produced by these, these T helper cells, that's your Air Force. So they can destroy lung tissue, they can destroy kidney tissue, they can destroy other tissues. This is what happens with Ebola. The Ebola virus and other viruses, in and of themselves, they're harmless. What makes them dangerous is if they promote an excessive cytokine response or what's called a cytokine storm, right? Or all these bombs just being dropped down with no specificity from your ground troops. That's what happens with Ebola. It destroys that endothelial lining of arteries and you bleed to death, right? Same thing with pneumonia, right? And pulmonary disease, you know, from respiratory virus, the bombs will get dropped on your respiratory epithelium and those alveoli will fill up with fluid and you can't exchange oxygen. So those are some of the, uh, the primary things, you know, that you want to have in place in order to prevent, you know, the, uh, the viruses from actually reaching the ship, getting inside, and then making copies that then exit and cause that cytokine response. Okay, so, whoo, that was a lot on step number one. We've got ten lot, steps. lot to digest there. But I it? think what we're, <laughs> what we're gonna find here is even though let's say I've got 10 different steps in the virus process, that it's not just one solution for each step. The beauty about natural medicine is that it's multi-layered. And yes. Those yeah. zinc and iodine and vitamin A and vitamin D, they don't just have one action. They have multiple. Right. So we're going to see these six or seven core principles that you've got and I've got are going to come up again and again in each step of the virus process. It's yes. like the Navy SEALs are not just going to stop the little boat getting to the big boat and putting the hooks in the boat. They're going to have a lot of roles in this whole mission. So even though we've only got six or seven tools, let's say, they occur in multiple roles during that whole virus process. So what you've said was a lot of information, but we're going to find the same information repeating on each step of this virus process. So what I wanted to add, and so what you're really, the point, real big points you've brought up so far have been vitamin D for the cathelicidin, the retinols and the vitamin A and the adequate thyroid hormone. From my perspective, the other big ones are zinc and iodine. And I'm just yes. doing a video on iodine. And in terms of 
the, the protein, one of the amazing things about iodine is it actually has been shown to start to destroy that protein. The, the virus has got this, its own force field, its own protective layer of proteins, and iodine and zinc are directly virucidal by attacking the viral proteins. Right. So that's, they're, they're also working as Navy SEALs and that before the virus gets anywhere near, it can start causing damage. We start to destroy the virus by attacking its viral proteins. So as well as what Roby said about thyroid hormone being adequate, and maybe we'll talk about later about some of the home checks people can do of their thyroid. Uh, we'll do that at the end. Roby's talked about vitamin A, Roby's talked about thyroid, Roby's talked about diet to make sure you're not getting a, a candida overgrowth. Roby's talked about vitamin D, which you can get from the sun, and he's talked about the foods that you can get carotenoids from. I would also add in zinc, and I always think that the, uh, and I've, I've made videos on this, why I think oysters are the best source of zinc, because, again, it's designed by nature with adequate levels of copper in it, so we don't get the zinc-copper imbalances. And we've talked about iodine, and I'm just releasing a video about I did an interview with a wild food forager yesterday, and I went to the beach and collected some uh, kelp on the way home. So kelp and iodine supplements are critical in fighting this virus because of that first step of the virus where we attack the virus before it can even start to affect us. The Navy yes. still they're destroying that little boat before it gets the big uh, to, to hijack the big boat. All right, let's keep going then. Okay, so... Then what happens in this virus process is that somebody's got this virus and then they come and cough on a surface or cough on us and people then inhale these viral particles and they settle in our lungs. And so we have some, we have some ways we can protect the lungs. And I know you wrote a, a post yesterday about psilli in the lungs. And can you run us through some of the ways the lungs might protect themselves from the viruses being deposited and, and infecting our cells. Yeah, so one of the first lines of defense is what we call the cilia, which are these little vacillating hairs that are in your nose and the whole respiratory tree. And if you can imagine a horse or a fly out in the pasture, I mean a horse or a cow out on the pasture, these flies are trying to land on them all the time and they're using that tail, right, to swish them away. So those cilia that are in your nose and bronchi and so forth, they're you know, constantly waving in the air, right, and shooing those things away or, you know, flushing them down to flush them out. Now, things like cigarette smoke and pollution will destroy or compromise the effectiveness of those cilia, right? So you want to definitely, you know, stay away from uh, cigarette smoke, right, and people who cigarette smoke because that will compromise that line of defense. We also, uh, in this, in preventing those viruses from getting down to the pulmonary alveoli, those glycoaminoglycans that I talked about, right, the snot that is normally on your respiratory tree, you want that to have a slippery surface. So when those guys land, they slip and fall, right, and, and get a concussion or whatever, you know. So the thyroid, the thyroid hormone plays a big role in that. So you want to have that in place. And then again, you want to have that barrier protection of the cytokeratin. And actually, you know, that's a little simplistic. So there's a family of cytokeratins, actually. So some give barrier protection, some modulate the, the immune response so that we don't get too much of an excessive cytokine response, right? So that's a very important piece also. Okay, so from your perspective, from the second wave, of, if you like, of the viral attack, We've got the carotenoids and vitamin A. We've got thyroid. 
We've got vitamin D. I would agree from my perspective absolutely on the vitamin A because vitamin A, as we both know, is critical for the function of those cilia. And also iodine comes up again because there's research showing that if you gargle iodine, then it will actually, the direct virucidal effect will happen in the, in the, the throat and the mouth and the upper trachea. It's been shown Yeah, to- so if you remember back from uh, chemistry, the uh, periodic table, so iodine is in that column of what are called halogens, right? Halogens are very potent, uh, virucidal, bactericidal, fungicidal, so iodine, chlorine, fluorine, bromine, you know, how do you sterilize your pool? You're going to put chlorine in there, same thing with municipal water. Uh, your baked goods right there, putting bromine and everything, denifrices, they put the fluoride, fluorine in, and those things are not necessarily good for us. But again, because they're in that column of the periodic table, they are very potent antimicrobials. So the iodine is specifically designed for human physiology to be a safe halogen. It was interesting. I was reading yesterday how iodine was first discovered. And it was first discovered when they were manufacturing saltpeter for gunpowder in the Napoleonic Wars. And they, the saltpeter was obtained from kelp. And when they were burning the kelp to obtain the saltpeter, this violet substance was being released. And they eventually worked out, French biophysicists eventually worked out that the violet color was iodine. And iodine is actually Greek for violet substance. Okay, all right. So again, and again, iodine is incredible because it's, it's so important for thyroid function. Thyroid hormones yes. is made up mainly of iodine. So it might be good. We've talked about things that we want to do things as well. I also want to stop sabotaging. We don't want to be smoking and putting and destroying our cilia and our lungs. We don't want to be eating a lot of sugar and paralyzing our white cells and causing a candida overgrowth. And perhaps it might be a good time just to make sure that we're filtering our water so we're not flooding our bodies with other halogens, particularly chlorine, which can displace iodine from tissues. You know, iodine is the is the least prevalent of those halogens and will get washed out if we fill our bodies up with other ones. So as well as not smoking, not having a high glycemic diet might be a good idea to, you know, put a a good water filter in to to take out some of that chlorine from water. For sure. Step number three in this virus plot is it, those little spikes on its outside of the coronavirus attached to receptors on L cell wall, and they act like a key to open up ports in the cell wall, and then they inject their DNA and RNA into our cells through those receptors. So what have we got in the intelligent design kit that can interfere with the virus attaching to the wall of our cells and opening up a lock and key to get their DNA into our cells? The burglars have arrived, and they've got a key to get in our front how are we going to keep them out, Dr. Mitchell? So the big thing there is that, that, that cytokine barrier and then those glycans. So if you can imagine, you know, those guys climbing onto the boat, you know, and you got an oil slicked floor there, right? And they slip and have a subarachnoid hemorrhage and, and you know, they're a lot easier to take care of then. And then also with the barriers. So you know that we've had a lot of the school shootings here in the United States. And so, so much so that we have developed protocols for what to do if a school shooter 
gets on, or, or even, you know, not necessarily a school, but you could be at your workplace or whatever. We have developed protocols in order to set up people a step one, two, three, you know, here's what you do. So when that school shooter is detected, when the alert goes out, the first thing that the teacher is supposed to do is get students, you know, out of the hallways and so forth. You've got a duck coming in through your front. Uh, yeah. Get students out of the hallways and, um, and get them inside in the class classrooms and barricade those doors, right? So that, you know, even if there have been some casualties on the outside, we protect everybody else from, you know, from the attack. So same thing with these viruses. You're, the key is to, one, prevent them from getting in. But if they do happen to get into one cell, we want to then do a lockdown on all the other cells to prevent any other cells from getting affected. So now that's where the high dose vitamin D and vitamin A that we call the get well two day protocol comes in, right? So you develop the fever or you know, other symptoms that let you know that there, there, there's been a breach, that a virus has gotten in, a school shooter has gotten in, well, we gotta lock down all the other cells. So you take that 400,000 of vitamin A a day for two days and the 50,000 of vitamin D a day for two days and you ramp up those cathelicidins and you make sure that all the other cells or circled with that cytokeratin, and that prevents any other cells from being infected with those viruses. So it aborts the viral replication process, right? And so if we maintain those viruses on the outside, then our Navy SEALs, you know, the T cells and the macrophages are gonna come along and kill them, cathelicidins are gonna kill them, and you abort the process. Those two people that I treated just before I left, I had two people on two days, that had the COVID infection. And we just did that protocol, even after one day, you know I mean? They, their symptoms were gone and you know, they healed very quickly. Okay, so the interesting thing is that we've done three steps in this virus process so far. And each step you've talked about thyroid hormone, vitamin D, vitamin A, again, tell, tell us, you, you often talk about the entourage effect with plants. Tell us about the entourage effect. What, is, what do you mean when you talk about entourage effect? So the entourage effect is a team effect. So, you know, if we're talking about the All Blacks or the Dallas Cowboys, best quarterback, you know, Troy Aikman or whoever, you wouldn't want to have 11 Troy Aikmans on the field, right? The best, one of the best quarterbacks, Super Bowl quarterbacks ever, right? If you've got 12 of them on the field, you're not going to be very successful. I can't name any of the players for the All Blacks, but I know that they've been a very successful team. But whoever is the top player, you wouldn't want to have 12 or the each team member has a specific job. So you want to have a good quarterback, fullback, linebackers, all those guys on the defense. That's the entourage effect. It's like an orchestra. You wouldn't have a whole orchestra of just trumpets, right? Or just percussion. In order for them to work effectively, you've got to have lots of people doing each job. So that's what plants learned over these trillions of years. They went through, you know, that process of the critters getting uh, sensitized to, to one area of attack. So they develop another chemical that would attack them in a different place, and then another chemical that would attack them in a different place. So when I got this black seed oil, I send it off to do the mass chromatography and spectroscopy. I got three pages back of all these different chemicals, you know, that are in black seed oil, right? And nature does not waste its energy making useless stuff. 
So it's making each one of those things for a reason, right? So it's making the terpenes, the cannabinoids, paranthocyanidins, all those things are made because they attack, they attack these critters in a different place. So while we have all these antibiotic resistant bacteria that we have developed because with, when man makes these antibiotics or antimicrobials, he's pointing at one area on the critter, right, to take them out. Well, after so many multiplication cycles, the bacteria will figure out, well, we're, we're going to buffet that area, right? And so we'll survive. Well, you don't do that. So garlic figured that out. The marijuana plant figured that out. The black seed oil plant figured that out. So, so they make 70 different chemicals or 200 different chemicals. So there's no resistance developed. Same thing with hydrochloric acid. You know, nothing develops a resistance to hydrochloric acid. All right, so that's the entourage effect, which means plants have multiple different weapons. Do we have a yes. term for the fact that what we're discovering now is not only do these, don't know the plants and the natural protections that we have available to us, that they feature in multiple steps, multiple different targets as well. So not only do they have a number of different weapons, but they also feature at multiple different part defense strategies in the body. Do we have a term for that? Well, my term for that is intelligent design. Okay. Right? All right, yeah. we'll adopt that. I like that. Yeah, and so you've seen that car that I have, right? That BMW i8. So I mean, you know, that's made over there in Germany, and I know. I mean, I, I am the the least automotive automotively adept person, right? That you would ever find. But I know to put in oil. I know to inflate the tires to the proper specification. I know to put in, you know, transmission fluid and go to the. If I just do that the intelligent design of that machine has allowed me to go 150,000 miles with no hiccups, right? Except for replacing tires, right? So if we will just take that responsibility, put back into the body what intelligent design meant to be there, it'll take us a long way. Well, I've got another interesting analogy for you with a car because I took my car to get a service recently and it wasn't starting properly. It doesn't start properly when I fill it up with gas. It starts fine, but as soon as I fill up with gas, it has trouble starting. It's like the, the, and the battery's turning over, but it's not firing. So I took it in to get a service, and they said, well, look, we plugged it into the computer, and it says there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, well, there's obviously something wrong with it, but the real lesson for me was that the old school mechanic, listening to the car, understanding right. how the engine works, right. not listening to the sound of the engine, and, and figuring out what is wrong with it has been replaced to a certain degree by plugging into a computer. And right. Same thing in medicine, really, that we've forgotten sometimes to listen and learn and look. And we plug things into Google or something, and we've forgotten about the intelligence. We've, we've forgotten that we're meant to be masters of the intelligent design of the body, and we've handed that over to certain degrees to technology. Yeah, um, no question. I was talking with one of my old professors, you know, the, uh, in, he's the head of the endocrinology. Uh, department there at Texas Tech University and was one of my instructors when I was in medical school. I had lunch with him and he had that lament that these younger doctors, right, the only thing they know, right, is to look at their iPad, right, and get electronic information. They don't know how to, you know, listen to the heart or do an auscultation, you know, with a stethoscope or to, you know, percuss or to ask the right questions. If it doesn't come up on their little analyzer, you know, they're lost. Oh, I've got a, I've got a tip for you as well. I know, I know about Troy Aikman. I know about the Dallas Cowboys. But I won't do me a favor. Look up. If you want to know who the best, I think, is the best all-black fullback of all time, his name is Christian Cullen, C-U-L-L-E-N. Okay. 
His, his uh, nickname is the Paikokariki Express because he comes from a place in the lower part of the North Island called Paikokariki. If you go to YouTube and search Christian Cullen Highlights, you'll watch the video of him and you go, how come he can run through 10 people and nobody <laughs> seems to be able to touch him? It's extraordinary. So Christian right. Cullen Highlights on YouTube is a moment for you. Okay. All right, let's keep going. So my perspective on how do we stop that virus getting in through the cell wall. Well, you've already talked about the cytokeratins from vitamin A. We also know that selenium blocks those receptors and stops the virus, those spikes on the virus from attaching to the receptors. And the richest source of selenium in our diets is Brazil nuts, as long as the Brazil nuts come from Brazil, which they mainly do, and seafood. So those are good things. You can also get selenium supplements and iodine as well as selenium. Iodine comes up again. Iodine has been shown to stop, with selenium, the virus attaching to the receptors on a cell. So again, iodine has got at least four different mechanisms it's involved in this process. All right, let's keep going to the next step. The virus then gets inside the cell, and it's interesting, the, the, the COVID-19 virus, most viruses got to get into the nucleus to reproduce, but the COVID-19 virus just gets into the cytoplasm of the cell. It's made it a little right. easier for itself, and then it uses machinery inside the cytoplasm to start reproducing itself. Uh, it right. takes over, it hijacks that machinery, that right. the ribosomes that we normally use for production of our proteins. It hijacks them, and it starts producing its DNA and RNA material. So, from my perspective, one of the things which actually helps kill the virus inside the cell is zinc. And because zinc forms with a protein structure called metallothionine to form zinc metallothionine, which is directly virucidal inside uh, and viruses inside the cell. So what have you got for us, Intelligent Design, about if these, if these sneaky freaking viruses get through, the, get past the macrophages, get past the cytokeratin around the cell, get through the membrane into the cell, what have you got in your tool to, 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 that's directly virucidal to viruses that might be living inside the cell? So vitamin C is the really easy and very abundant thing that is virucidal. So if you just have good levels of vitamin C or if you supplement with good levels of vitamin C. Now understand that once you get an infection and that vitamin C is kind of like flamethrowers or bullets, and so you're going to be using that up to fight these viruses, right? Fight the enemy. So you're going to run out. So the normal amount of vitamin C that you would use on a daily basis to stay healthy, you're going to have to ramp that up a lot, right? So like myself, my daily amount of vitamin C that if I went over, it would give me, you know, gastrointestinal symptoms, you know, is 10,000 milligrams. I got to take back when I did get sick and discovered all this stuff, I would have to go up to 30,000 grams of vitamin C to get rid of a, you know, a viral infection. So people want to start to understand that the amount of vitamin C that you need when you're sick is much higher than what you would need when you're well. So what, I mean, if we're looking at food, and I agree with what you said, but if we just stay with foods, we want high vitamin C foods, which is generally berries, the, uh, I was writing the other yeah. day about the kakadu plum, which is a, a very famous native wild food in particularly northwestern Australia. And it's got, I think it's 5,000 milligrams of 
vitamin C per 100 grams of plum. What have you got in Texas in terms of native berries that, that are famous? So the top, of the, top of the food chain, literally, is the acerola cherry, right? Okay. Very high in vitamin C. And then what has been very popular are the citrus fruits. But you don't want to do the ones that are high in sugar. So now we have hybridized fruits here to their, such that they're many times larger and have a much higher sugar content than what our ancestors were exposed to. So you want to be careful of things like oranges, right? The regular oranges like navel oranges are very high in sugar. Yeah. And that can defeat the purpose because all that sugar will then feed the candida, which will you know, compromise your immune system because you're producing those cytotoxins. So these smaller citrus fruits like lime and lemons and lime. And then also here in Texas in particular, we have what's called pink grapefruit. So you're getting a double whammy with that, not just the vitamin C, but that pink comes from those carotenoids, right? What about, what about prickly pear? You must have a lot of prickly pear growing wild in around Amarillo. We do. We have that here. They have it more so over in Arizona. It grows much more wilder there, but that is a lot more popular in the Latino community here. But yeah, that, that's a very good source also. So the good thing about berries, as you said before, not only are they going to be high in vitamin C, but they're also going to be high in vitamin A because they're natural. Well, no, not exactly. high in vitamin They're going to be high in carotenoids, which will eventually get converted to vitamin A in the body. So and that's the good thing is that, you, I mean, those two will run together many times, vitamin A and vitamin C. Okay, so for that step, we've, I went with zinc is the big one for the zinc metallothionines, and you went with vitamin C both of which are easily accessible. So you're over there chewing on acerola berries, and I'm over here lightly frying some oysters in butter to get my zinc. Okay, next step on this viral attack. We've got, now the virus, once it's hijacked the ribosomes and it's reproducing its DNA, it then sails off to, floats off and attaches to the inside of our cell membrane again, and then uses some proteins from our cell membranes to form its own protein structure and then it bursts out. So from my perspective, again, surprise, surprise, iodine has been shown to stop the virus being able to burst out of yes. the cell wall and release its particles. It's because you and I are going to discuss, you don't really get unwell until your immune system starts reacting to this virus is bursting out of our cells. Right. So if we can stop, the, if we can trap, if we can trap the burglar inside our house, and right. call the police before the burglar gets out with our, uh, with our TV, we've won. So how do we trap the virus in the cell so it can just has to sit around and be destroyed by vitamin C and be destroyed by zinc? What have you got in your toolkit and intelligent design to maybe stop the viruses being released? I don't know that we have anything to stop them from being released. Okay, good. Well, good. They well, they released, once they are released, we want, to, we want to mitigate the damage. Okay. And so... That's where that two-day protocol comes in. You also have the high-dose vitamin A and the high-dose vitamin D and then also vitamin C. So when, though, when they do break out of that initial cell, we want the one, we want to lock down on all other cells, right? So we bring up that vitamin A and now we've got the cytokine barrier around all the other cells so they can't get in. Okay. We're going to do a troop surge on the cathelicidins, so those are high. And then also... We want to make sure that your T cells and macrophages are up to, to speed, right? Because if they're not, 
then your primary weapon is going to be those cytokines, and that's what's going to do the damage. So, okay. so hang on, hang on, just a second, because you've jumped into the next step. So, what we're going to say is, I'm going to use iodine to stop the burglar getting out of the my house with my TV. Now, if that doesn't work and the burglar gets out, you're saying, okay, when the burglars start coming out of the house, we're going to have a lot of police and special forces hanging around to take care of them. Just so, waiting on them. Waiting on him, waiting on him, like uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. You took the words right out of my mouth, and you took the words. <laughs> we didn't even organize that. We yeah. didn't organize it. All right, yes. I mean, who, nobody can forget that scene. Yeah. That scene. It's such a beautiful film scene, in a way. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about the Marines and the Air Force because that's a great analogy. Okay, so we've got these guys, Butch and Sundance, have just burst out of the house. Who have they got? What, who, who's the first line that they, they're going to meet macrophages, they're going to meet T-cells, they're going to yeah, meet T-cells. Take us through that process and how we, how we maximize our macrophages, B-cells and T-cells. Take us through that. Right. So now, you know, if this is a critter that you've been exposed to before, so you mentioned those B-cells. So your B-cells, they're responsible for making what I call the bloodhounds, right, which are antibodies. Now, antibodies they are not sidle, they don't kill anything, but like a bloodhound that will track down a fox, it'll, it'll tree them and then it'll show your troops, you know, where they are. So, you know, we had these, we had these rounds in the Marines, you know, that were, that would light up, right? So you'd shoot at the enemy and it would light up and show where the enemy was so, so that your partners would then know where to shoot. So antibodies will specifically attach to specific critters that they were made in response to. So those antibodies will attach. Once they attach, they send out chemical signals to summon the troops. These are called chemokines. So those chemokines will tell your T cells and macrophages, hey guys, come here's the enemy over here, you know, come get them. So those antibodies are important. Then again, you want to have a good entourage of those T-cells and macrophages that are waiting for Butch and Sundance like the Mexicans, right? And just chop them down, you know, before they go and insert themselves to restart the, uh, the process. Also, they have those, you know, like, you know, they have the German shepherds. You let those loose. Those are the cytokines. You let loose, the, I mean, not the cytokines, but the uh, cathelicidins, right? So if your cathelicidins are high because of because you you ramp up your vitamin D, then those will you know once they bust Butch and Sundance bust out, the German shepherds you know will be right on them right and take them down also. Okay, so to summarize, the viruses are released from the cells. The macrophages come along and they engulf them, and they yes. tear the viruses apart, and they use cathelicidin to do that, which is where the vitamin D comes from, and right. then those macrophages present those torn up pieces of virus to the B cells so they can start producing antibodies, which is nature's vaccine, which is exactly how a vaccine works. A vaccine presents small inactive particles of an organism to our immune system. Well, our macrophages are already doing that, so we need to look after our macrophages. So the B cells are going to produce the antibodies. T cells also help the macrophages, they're part of the special forces as well. And then the T cells go, okay, well look, special forces, we love you guys, but there's not enough of you and we're getting overwhelmed. We need to start dropping some bombs, some cytokines on there. And so if this system gets out of control, 
So there's two problems with that, obviously, that T-cell system. If we've destroyed our immune system because of blue light, because of electromagnetic frequencies, because of low thyroid function, because of overgrowth of candida or living in a moldy house, that whole process is not going to work properly. So Butch and, Butch and Sundance are going to round out. There's nobody there. Good for Butch right. and Sundance, but not good for us. But there's also the problem, and I can't think of a great analogy you'll come up with, where Butch <laughs> and Sundance come out, but there's 5,000 troops, which was a bit like what the movie was. And they all start shooting at Butch and Sundance indiscriminately, and the whole house gets destroyed by bullet fire. So, so that's where the cytokine storm comes in. So we can have a problems where we don't have enough of an immune system, but also we can have an exaggerated immune response. And that was where my article was last night. We're showing now there's, there's some evidence coming out now, the cytokine storm not only affecting the lungs, but also affecting the kidneys and the brain. And that the microglia in the brain, which are the macrophages, uh, have a role in, or sorry, a part of the cytokine storm causing this massive inflammation in the brain from the virus. And what mitigates or controls that storm says, okay, hey, we've got, we got too many troops to deal with Butch and Sundance. We don't need as many, so we're going to temper down our response. What does that in the brain is melatonin. And, of course, that's why we want to be look, making sure that we look after our melatonin levels. What have you got as well as melatonin in terms of ensuring that if the virus does get out, that our, our macrophages, T cells, B cells are working appropriately? So two things can mitigate that cytokine response. One, we've already talked about those cytokeratins, and I talked about them in terms of them being barrier protection. Uh, that's a little bit simplistic, again, because there's a whole family of cytokeratins. One of the other things that the family of cytokeratins does is mitigate that inflammatory process, right, so we're not overwhelmed with it. The other thing that will mitigate that is the, our population of prostaglandins, right? So you have these fats, you know, that starts with arachidonic acid, and then that gets turned into either pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory prostaglandins. Now, what determines which way uh, your production is going is the type of fat that you eat. So if you're eating fats, you know, from the sea, right? So salmon, mackerel, those type of things, then you're going to be, have a predisposition toward the anti-inflammatory prostaglandins. If you're overloaded with the arachidonic acid from, from animal fats, right, so the omega-6s, then you're going to have more of a pro-inflammatory response. So very important that you have a good balance of the uh, type of fats that we take into our diet. Okay, in fact, there was a really interesting study which came out two days ago, which I haven't written about yet, but am going to, which is the first study of its kind to show that trans fats, which are the damaged fats, which particularly come from some of the highly processed vegetable oils, which is why I know that you're so careful about how your black seed oil is processed to make right. sure there aren't any trans fats in there because right. you a, a lot of the vegetable oils in the, in the clear, and your black seed oil comes in a dark bottle, more importantly. Right. So it's not damaged, and every time you, you deep fry some of these vegetable oils, you produce trans fats. But trans fats. a few days ago, these trans fats directly damaged the wall of our mitochondria. And our mitochondria, of course, are what fuels our immune system. So if you're consuming trans fats or oils, which are high in trans fats anyway, then you're damaging your mitochondria and you're damaging your immune system, which is exactly what you've just said to us. 
All right. I trans fats very toxic, very toxic. So if you see hydrogenated fat on any label that's in your pantry or refrigerator, that goes in the trash bin. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, I've got in my store, I've got your black seed oil and your black seed oil with elderberry because I know how it's been processed and I know this is not going to have any trans fats. And the coconut oil I've got, you and I've discussed how I get mine from Casey, who's uh, up in the Atherton Tablelands, and he he uses wild collected, sustainably collected coconuts from northern Queensland and then hand processes the coconut oil from, from start to go, ensuring that none of the oil is, is damaged when he collects it. So oils are not always oils and fats are not always fats. All right, Roby, we have covered an enormous amount. Thank you very much. And I mean, I, I think probably it sounds like a lot of information, but if you if you listen to this video a few times and just take some notes, you'll see there's probably five or six things that you and I've discussed. It seems complicated because five or six things keep coming up at each step of the process, which is what we want. We want the entourage. Right, right. Lots of redundancy. Lots of redundancy. Lots of redundancy. And then people say, okay, well, I'm, I, I keep reading all these other articles and about all these other things I should be doing. Well, you know, one of the best books I ever read was Jocko Willink's, Jocko Willink, the ex-Navy SEAL. But one of the things he talks about, one of the chapters is there, is there about prioritise and execute. So one of the things that can happen with people in this process is that they're confused. There's a lot of confusion about what this virus is, how real is the threat, how many people are dying, how accurate the testing is, how accurate are the tests, how many people are dying, who's getting sick, when's it going to end, who's transmissible. And here's the beauty about what you and I discuss. First thing to remember is what Jocko Willink says is like the special forces do, is prioritize and execute. So what we've given people here is five or six techniques they can prioritize and they can do easily. Get some sun, eat some high carotenoid food, make sure your thigh is working okay, eat some oysters. The, and the, so the I, have a, I have kind of a line item of all this. It's called the Passover Protocol. Yes, yes. If people will just go on the search and put in Dr. Fitz slash Passover Protocol, that's a very good blueprint to just put on the refrigerator, right? And yes. go down that list, make sure you have all that in place. And the beauty about it, here's the real beauty, is that what you and I have said from the beginning is that we are surrounded by trillions of viruses. The threat right. is there constantly. And we have developed these techniques over 4.5 million, million years to do every day. And then we forgot about them. And one of the things right. that I find extraordinary is that the first antibiotic that was ever discovered was penicillin, 1941, I think it was. And it was yeah. discovered earlier, but it was a weak strain. It was in 1940 by a, a London scientist founding some mold growing on a mango in a market in London. But, you know, fast forward from 1940 to now, our, our best antibiotic is still penicillin. So we've got a few antibiotics, but our best one is the first one ever discovered. We've hardly got any antivirals, as we're discovering. We've got about two antifungals in the pharmaceutical cupboard. But our reliance on them has made us forget about the things that we've done for four and a half billion years. And this is things, right. things that you and I have discussed. I don't, I don't know about where the virus came from. I don't know how many people are dying. I don't know if the tests are accurate or not accurate. All I know is the stuff that you and I are talking about, I'm going to be doing today, I'm going to be doing tomorrow, I'm going to be doing 12 months, I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Because it's how we evolved to doing. It's, I don't need to. I don't need to be confused because I understand, prioritize and execute. And I have prioritized what I've been doing since the dawn of time and what I'll be go doing to the end of time 
because it covers me against all the threats. Exactly. So, you know, when you protect your house, you put all these layers of protection there. So you might have electronic surveillance, you'll have an alarm system, you got your deadbolts, you got your locks on your windows. You're not out there wondering, wow, you know, what kind, how tall is this burglar going to be? You know, is it, or is it male or female? Uh, you know, is the guy black or white or Mexican, you know, or what, you know, and set up a system for each individual bad guy, right? You just put the basic protection in there and it protects you against all bad guys. And you don't get burgled today and then go, woohoo, I got burgled today. I'm never going to be burgled again. Because guess what? You don't switch off all your security system, leave your doors open at night. Because you know Exactly. Just because it comes today doesn't mean it's coming tomorrow as well, or in a year's time. It's so, a constant threat. It's a constant threat. Exactly. So that's why we have to understand this is a constant threat, which we've been faced with since the dawn of time. We're surrounded by a trillion viruses. New York Times article discussed how we're surrounded by trillions of viruses falling from the sky, and it's a constant threat, and we have evolved with this constant threat, and we've developed ways of dealing with it, and it's time to remember those ways. That's one of the, you were talking about silver linings, you know, I, I see that as one of the silver linings of this episode with the COVID is that it is going to start to, it's an opportunity for people like you and I, now we have this opportunity that people will listen to us, right, about how to stay healthy. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and we've, I've been talking about, you know, looking backwards to go forward, one of the Maori from New Zealand's kind of philosophy of life. They always talk about let's look backwards and learn so we can go forward. So that's one of the things that we're going to do here. We're going to re-remember some of our strategies. I mean, it's not going to be, it's not, we're going to also new, use new strategies. I mean, even with the financial system, we're not going to go back to gold and silver uh, when, when the financial system changes, which it will. But we will look back at some lessons from the past and incorporate some of those lessons into a new system which would be a better system. So what you and I are saying is, yes, let's learn from the past. Let's look at the, the intelligent design of the body. Then we can improve on the intelligent design of the body because the right. knowledge, what we've got now is we've got science. You know, you and I couldn't have had this discussion 20 years ago because we didn't know enough about the mitochondria. We didn't know enough about cytokeratins. You and I are incredibly grateful for the latest scientific research, which is validating and allowing us to improve on an old system. So we've got an old system right. since the dawn of time, but science is now allowing us to understand the fundamentals of that system, prioritize, and so you and I can execute. Dr. Mitchell, it's been an amazing conversation. Anything else you would like to finish off with? You know, I would throw in also, you know, that, you know, that 1918 flu that killed millions, right, globally. One of the lessons that came out of that was the effectiveness of these essential oils, right? So a product that really took off at that time was called Vicks VapoRub. And it was very effective against that uh, 1918 flu, which was many times more virulent than this COVID. That Vicks VapoRub is because it had eucalyptus, right? If you've got a mother that you can remember, her rubbing yep, 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 yep. your chest when you're a kid. Yep. And Some mothers would make you eat it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay, so no, essential oils, running a diffuser, great idea. I'm, I'm yes. running upstairs at the moment. And the other thing that was brought to my attention here, I mean, I kind of knew about it, but it really made me think about it with this episode, is these machines that shoot off UV light, right? We've been using those for, in hospitals for ster sterilization since the 1960s. I mean, that's easy, safe, 
you know, effective. God, I would think every public space would have a machine that produces UV light. All right. Well, from Butch and Sundance, thanks very much, everybody, for watching. I hope you learned something. And hopefully, Roby and I, aka Butch and Sundance, will be, be, uh, be back uh, in a week or two to do an update on how things are going and things that you can prioritize and execute to keep us safe today, tomorrow, and the years to come. Thanks very much for your time, Roby. All right. Thank you.